0: Visit Burna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you though? For just 20 bucks a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my sponsor and my cell phone company, I want you to imagine something. You are gathered up with a few of your friends. You are tied together. You are laid down on the ground. Then a large, heavy, wooden platform is placed on top of you People would get up on this platform, set a table down on it, sit at the table, and you can hear them laughing and eating while you slowly suffocate to death. That is not something out of a horror movie. That is reality if you don't do something. I'll explain in just a little bit. We are going to talk today about the greatest conquerors of all time. By mile, the greatest conquerors of all time. We're going to talk today about the Mongols. One specific part about the Mongols, but the Mongols. Understand this. When I say greatest conquerors of all time, That part is not up for debate. When you look at the things they did and the relative ease with which they did them, there's never been anything like the Mongols, not before and not since, ever. I don't want to hear about Alexander the Great. you, You name it. Hannibal, the Romans. You know how much I geek out on all these Nobody comes close to the Mongolian conquest. Nobody. It's jaw-dropping. The more you read on it, the more you watch things on it, it is honestly the most astounding thing in history. It's my favorite part of all history. People ask me, what's your favorite part? It's easily the Mongolian conquest. It has everything. It has savage Savage levels of violence. And I understand in this day and age, we're supposed to act like we don't enjoy that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I see the movies you go watch. Don't lie. You do. Even, you know, what's amazing is... Even if you're listening to something, I'll tell you, if you're a Mongol freak, and you may be by the time I'm done today or at least be interested in it, the greatest by a mile podcast you will ever listen to on it is Dan Carlin. You know how much I love Dan Carlin. He does this great hardcore history podcast, and he has like this six-part series on the Mongols. You should listen to it nine times. It's incredible. But even he, it's funny. I'm not insulting the man. Never would I. But he does this six-part series on the Mongols, and you can hear, and this was consistent. I would watch documentaries on it. Everybody did this. They would show you the Mongols, and they'd talk about the Mongol conquests and the Mongol sieges and all the pillaging and murder and everything else, and they'd always constantly throw out, oh, this is really ugly stuff. I, I just can't. This is awful. Well, why are you talking about it then? Yeah, it's awful. I mean, the things we're going to talk about today, barbaric, honestly, probably doesn't even describe it. We are talking about a people today that placed absolutely no value on human life whatsoever. Zero. I honestly, I don't know that I can find another powerful entity that ever had less regard for human life. It just was never even a thought. It is awful. It is barbaric. It is terrible. You don't want to be a Mongol, believe me. However, don't sit here and tell the story of the Mongols and get into it and explain the battle tactics and the generals and the spying and the strategy behind it. And then feel the need to constantly say, Well, I don't like the I don't like the violence. It was just too much. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You want to watch football on Sunday and see the strong safety hit the wide receiver so hard his head falls off his body. Yes, you do. You want to go to the movies and watch the good guy. I mean, for a good cause, but you want to watch the good guy shoot a bunch of bad guys in the head. Yes, you do. I know you do because the ratings say you do. So let's set that aside for a moment. But the Mongols conquered more territory, significantly more than anybody ever has. And it's not just that they did it. It's that they made it look easy. The best way I can describe the Mongolian Conquests, And I'm going to focus on one specific part of it today. I'll give you an overview first. But gosh, there's so much of it to unpack. The best way I can describe it is honestly because there's not a historical equivalent. It is an alien invasion. That's what it's like. They were so much better at what they did than anyone else on planet Earth. There's nothing else comparable the only comparable thing would be to tell you to imagine an alien ship with better weapons and better tactics and everything else landing and taking on the United States of America's military forces because there's not another equivalent to it. There's not. And because of the era we're talking about, we're talking about them storming into places, places that thought they were at the peak of technology and military and then finding out not only are you not at the peak, there's somebody out there you didn't know existed that can destroy you with the snap of their fingers like it's nothing. Imagine what that feeling would be like. An alien invasion is the only way to properly compare that. It is. You think you're an American right now. You think we are the most powerful country on earth. You're right. Wealthiest country, you're right. Our military as it stands right now, if forced to, could go toe-to-toe and destroy the other militaries on the planet. At least one-on-one. You're 100% right. What if tomorrow that alien army landed on the White House lawn and stormed through our military like a knife through butter? That is what it would be like back in the 1200s to experience a Mongolian invasion when you are the most powerful nation or in your mind the most powerful nation on the planet. And you just find out there are people who do combat better than you ever could. Now, now, Obviously, the Mongol rise is the rise of Genghis Khan, and it's not really a Genghis Khan show, although he's going to play a central role in it. The Mongols were yet another Asian steppe people like the Scythians. You know I geek out on the Scythians. Attila the Hun was a steppe person. Tartars were steppe people. You've heard Tartars before. In fact, the Mongols were often described as Tartars by people. They weren't Tartars. They actually killed pretty much all the Tartars. The Parthians, you remember that wealthy Roman Crassus who marched 10,000 Roman legionnaires into Parthia? He was going to go show these barbaric Parthians who was boss. Yeah, he never came home. These people, again, lived their lives on horseback from the age of three. The Mongols were just another Asian steppe tribe, very capable And then someone came along and gave them something. Hang on. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. You have to protect your financial future. You just do. And you worked so hard for that money. I work hard for my money. Why would I risk it all in stocks and bonds? Again, let me be clear about this. I want you to get a gold IRA from Gold Alliance. I don't want you to take all your money and invest it in some Ponzi scheme somewhere. I don't want you to bury it in a mattress or a a mayonnaise jar. I just want you to get a gold IRA so you are diversified. So if the worst happens, and right now if you talk to the experts, they say at some point it's going to happen, that way you're not wiped out. That way all that money you worked hard for doesn't disappear overnight. Go to goldalliance.com slash Jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. Go get a gold IRA today. Protect your financial future. The Mongolians were like any other Asian steppe tribe, nomadic, don't have cities, live life on horseback, shoot bows very, very well. I say that they were the greatest bowmen of all time, shot them on horseback, grew up on horseback, grew up hunting, grew up warring and raiding with other people. Very, very tough. However, they were just another tribe. What they were given by Genghis Khan as he came up through the ranks violently, as you can imagine, what they were given was unity and discipline. The Mongolians rose, they took over the Asian steppe tribes slowly and surely and brutally, and they were given discipline. You see... The Mongolians already knew how to hunt and fight and raid. They were already tough. They grew up in a harsh environment. It's easy to be tough when you grow up in that environment because if you're not tough, you die. What's not easy is having this tough guy work together with that tough guy, work together with that tough guy, and work together with that tough guy. That's what's hard. That's what's hard. And he unifies the Asian steppe Mongols, and this unified group of Mongols sets its eyes on China. China is not one unified thing at this time. I want to be clear about that. There are several separate different dynasties, but very, very powerful. And these Mongols go from being very tough to being hyper-organized and disciplined. Genghis Khan organizes Mongolian forces into tens, which we still use to this day. A squad is 10, a company is 100, a battalion is 1,000, so on and so on and so on. And they communicated with each other extensively. And there were rules set in place, period. You're riding your horse. The Mongo in front of you is riding his horse. You see a bowstring fall off of the guy in front of you's horse. You don't stop and pick it up. You're both executed on the spot. Gone. Discipline. Unity. You're together. Your unit retreats, you retreat. Your unit charges, you charge. You don't. Gone. All of you. Killed. Period. No second chances. No, no counseling sessions. Gone. Dead. Bye. They invade China. Now, I am glossing over the Chinese campaign because that's not what this is about today. Just know this it was extensive. It was difficult because the Chinese were the wealthiest people on the planet at the time, had high, strong walls, an extremely advanced society. China was no joke. The Mongols did not just sweep into there without any difficulty because they had to learn how to lay siege. They were used to fighting on the grasslands. So they go from being probably the toughest people on earth to being disciplined and organized, and then storming into China. And Genghis Khan, unlike other people, does not believe in actually killing everybody. He believes in killing everybody who's not useful to him. If you're useful to him, Chinese or otherwise, you're more than welcome in the army. One of his top generals, Jebe or Hebei, depending on how you pronounce it, you know who he was? He was an enemy of Genghis Khan and shot Genghis Khan's horse out from under him. Genghis Khan asks everybody, who's the freaking guy who shot my horse out from under him after the army had been defeated? And Jebe says, yeah, that was me. Genghis Khan's, one, so impressed he could do it, and two, so impressed he was that brave to actually admit it to Genghis Khan's face. Oh, okay, you work for me now. Awesome. Ends up being one of the greatest generals of all all time. That's the type of man we're dealing with. Oh, you sack a Chinese city? Oh, yes, of course you can slaughter every man, woman, and child in there, except for people who can do things. Oh, you're an engineer. Oh, you designed these walls? Oh. Do you also know how to knock down these walls? Oh, you do. Guess what? You work for me now. And not as a slave. Let me clarify this. Yes, the Mongols had slaves and slaughtered people by the million. By the million. However, if you could help Genghis Khan, you could have a great life. Oh, oh, you're an engineer. No, 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 no. Your your head's not going to be cut off. Here, let me introduce you to your new hut. Here's a new pretty young wife. Or 10. Here's some gold. Build me siege engines. Now you've taken the toughest people on earth. Now you've given them unity. Now you've given them discipline. And now you've given them brains on top of it. These are not barbarians in the typical sense of the word. Running around, screaming, yelling, very scary. You wouldn't want to meet one in a dark alley. However, if you just stay organized and stay disciplined, you'll be fine. No, 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 no. Then Genghis Khan gets himself in a bit of a tiff with the Caribbean Empire. It's a big Muslim empire in the Middle East. Think Iran and Afghanistan. You know that saying of, you know, nobody's ever invaded Afghanistan in one? Uh, let me stop you there. One person did. Genghis Khan stormed through them like nothing. And remember, the Charisman Empire was thought to be the most or one of the most powerful empires on the planet The Mongols tore through it like it wasn't even there. Like it wasn't even there. This is about the time where Genghis Khan got the nickname. Some say he gave it himself. Some say he was given the nickname and then ran with it. When he gives a speech to some people he just uh, conquered and calls himself the Flail of God, the scourge of God, and he has this epic line in there because everybody back then associated everything with religion, the Muslims did, and the Christians, which we'll get to in a moment, meaning good things happening to you and in your life must mean you're living pretty righteously. Bad things are happening, where'd you screw up? God must be mad at you. So Genghis Khan uses that, calls himself the flail of God, or they call him that, and then gives him the speech and says, If you had not committed great sins, God would not have sent a punishment like me to you. How sweet is that? (laughs) Uh, Oh, shut up. You love it, too. I understand we are telling this story now on the bones of millions already people dead. Millions. Unimaginable human suffering never seen before this day on this scale, ever. And frankly, hasn't been seen since. He gets done storming through the Middle East. He storms through China, most of it, at least the northern part, stormed through the Middle East. He now has this huge empire. And honestly, he just kind of in settle-in mode. And he needs to figure out what's what. You see, when you conquer that much territory, this is pre-Google Maps, you don't know... Honestly, all of what you've conquered, you don't know what it looks like, and you don't even know who lives other places, and they don't know about you either. Now, you're Genghis Khan. You are thinking pretty highly of yourself, understandably, but you need to look around. You take your great general, maybe one of the greatest generals of all time, almost undoubtedly top ten, his name was Subadai. And you decide you're going to send Subadai on a scouting mission. Subadai, I need you to go check things out. Check out my borders, check out beyond my borders. This is when Europe gets their first taste. <laughs> HomeTitleLock.com, it's it's not an option right now. It's a requirement. And I don't actually enjoy saying that. You know how much I enjoy talking to you about products and services that I just love, that I have fun with. And I love the people at Home Title Lock, don't get me wrong, but I wish you didn't have to have it. But this home title theft problem is not going away anytime soon. The FBI simply cannot get their hands on it right now. They can't figure out how to stop this. It's so widespread. It's so easy for the criminals, lucrative for the criminals, and so brutal for you. You have to get home title Lock before they crush you. And if they get it, if the worst happens, they'll evict you from your home. Go to hometitlelock.com. That's home title lock.com. Use the promo code Jesse, get thirty free days of protection. Subadai has been tasked with going to scout out Europe in Russia. Remember, the Mongols don't know what's up there. The Europeans don't know about the Mongols. This is not the information age. Information travels slowly, if at all. And it doesn't help things that I glossed over it, but it doesn't help things that oftentimes the Mongols would kill Every man, woman, and child, and sometimes animal in a city. I'm talking about cities of 500,000 people. A million people. The Mongols, as a matter of policy, would offer. I don't even know if offer is the right way to put that. They would ride up to your city and simply say, Open up your gates, submit to us, or we're going to kill everyone in there. Sometimes cities were not even given that offer. The Charismian Empire oftentimes wasn't given that offer because they had offended Genghis Khan. He had initially tried to trade with them, and in the all-time dumbest move in history, they took all the goods Genghis sent as a goodwill offer they stole the goods and killed Genghis Khan's emissaries. He even tried to give them an out and said, okay, I'm sure, I'm sure this was a mistake. Uh send the governor responsible for this to me, and we'll be good and we'll go back to trading. And then they killed them too. And now, I mean, that then the Charismian Empire didn't exist anymore. Didn't exist anymore. And The Charismian Empire, when they were being taken over, there are writings of this all over the place of it seriously felt like a storm, like some kind of natural disaster, because this is the day and age where when you got your army together, you got your army together. And we have our infantry and we have our cavalry and we have our bowmen, and and what we're going to do is we're going to march from point A to point B, and we'll set up there and give it whoa 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 give us a moment, give us a moment, let us lay out our troops and everything, and you lay out your troops, and then we'll have us a good battle. Sound good, jolly old chap? Mongos didn't do any of that. No, I'm going to come at you in five different directions on horseback because the entire army was mounted and you're going to feel like you've been surrounded by locusts and we're just going to devour you. It was disconcerting. They didn't do things like other people did them. And they did things in combat all the time that other countries didn't, it just wouldn't occur to them to even attempt it. They would do things like retreat on purpose in front of you. So you would chase them where they'd lead you into an ambush. They repeatedly repeat. They, they really kill the Georgians like this. And I'll get to this in a moment. They would retreat. You would chase after them with your cavalry. But when you go to horse, when you're on horseback and you're the Muslim Charismian Empire, or you're some Christian European knights, you ride into battle, what? On your horse. And here's something you don't think about because it doesn't show up in the movies and it's not sexy to talk about. I don't know if you've heard a horse is a living animal. A living animal with only limited muscle and oxygen capacity. I know it looks great in Braveheart. But you cannot throw 500 pounds of gear on a horse and have that horse sprint for 20 miles without stopping. It'll just lay down and die. Your horse only has so many miles in it just like you do. Horses get blown. But wait a minute. That's your horse. Mongols knew that too. Do you know that it wasn't uncommon for a Mongol to ride into battle With 15 horses just for himself? You rode into battle with your horse. I rode into battle with 15. So you ride at me. I'll turn my horses around and ride away. I'll wait until your horse is blown and can't hardly move. And I'll hop off my tired one and hop on my fresh one and ride you down like grass. Oh, he's tired too? I'll hop on another and another and another. I can go all day like this. You brought one. I brought 15. So they were just so fast. They couldn't get their hands on these people. They tear through the Charisman Empire. They send the scouting mission with Subadai and 20,000 Mongols up into Europe. They first run into the Georgians. And I'm not, not, these are great stories I'm glossing over, so I'll hammer them another day. But the Georgians were very, very powerful at this time and had been amassing powerful armies at this time because they were fighting a crusade against the Muslims in the Middle East. The Mongols took on these Georgian knights, Georgian knights who were highly trained, well-armored. Well led. These were the cream of the European crop. And the Mongols simply dismantled them without even losing very many men. The Europeans thought they had been visited by the Antichrist. They called these people in writings, they called them demons. And they never even knew they existed until they showed up with 20,000 dudes And this 20,000 guys of Subadai, they're wiping out 80,000-man armies, 50,000-man armies, without breaking a sweat. It's nothing for them. It's easy. They turn and set their sights on Russia. Russia is not Russia at this time, to be fair to the Russians in the story. Not quite Russia yet. We are pre, you know, pre the organization of Russia. Now Russia's still very, very powerful. They have a bunch of city states there. It's a feudal system where you will own a city like Kiev. And you're a very powerful king in Kiev. And you'll own the countryside around Kiev. And you have powerful knights and powerful armies. And the Russians begin to get word from people called the Cumans or the Cumans. Cumans are nomadic people, and Genghis Khan hated them. He was always beating them up everywhere he went. And the Cumans were also violent, raiding nomadic people and were often raiding the Russians. Almost always raiding the Russians. Some poor Russian village, Cumans ride in, rape, pillage, steal a bunch of stuff, kill, ride off. So Russians hated them. And one day, there's a knock at the Russian king's door. Hey, can we come in? Who is it? It's the Cumans. Excuse me? Why are you here? Uh, We need your help. Wait, what? What do you mean you need my help? Yeah, we need your help because these people called the Mongols are coming. And if we don't join forces, they're going to kill everybody. Obviously, the Russians took some convincing from the Cumans, but eventually they agree to it. And they agree we can't allow these Mongols to just keep raping and pillaging their way through Russia. Why don't we just get our best dudes together and ride out and meet this paltry 20,000-man force and beat them? But remember when I said they're city-states? Russia puts together an 80,000-man army to take on Subadai's 20,000 Mongols. Obviously, on paper, looking pretty good for the Russians. But wars aren't fought on paper. This 80,000-man army isn't one unified, trained body. It's two, three, four, five different armies who just kind of meet up in a field one day and say, let's go beat some Mongols. And it goes pretty well at first. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. EBSleep gave me eight hours of sleep every single night this weekend. Every single night. I'm not saying that to brag, although you know I love to brag. I'm saying that so you can have it too because, listen, I've been there. I've been right where you are, going to sleep every night, crossing your fingers, hoping, praying that tonight will be the night, this will be the night I finally sleep. I know what that's like, and then not getting it. And because I've gone from that to sleeping every single night, I know the difference it makes in your life. Not, Not just in one small part of it either, your entire life. I want that for you. Go get an ebb sleep It can do it for you too. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code Jesse, get 25 bucks off. The Russians gather together 80,000 men to take on this 20,000 Mongolian army and they ride right up to a river and there are some Mongols there. Now there starts to be some disagreement in the Russian army and you'll see this a lot in old times makes life very, very difficult and it's a big deal with shared commands and new armies who have never fought together joining together. These Russians gather up and they look at these Mongols on the other side of the river and they've been warned repeatedly by this point in time that these are, you know, the the toughest people who've ever lived and half the Russians want to go after them right now and the other half want to stay back and be safe and they're not really sure but there doesn't actually even look like that many of them. Let's just go cross the river. Well, some of the Russians storm across the river, take on these Mongols, and they take a few casualties, but they slaughter them. And the Russians are looking around, thinking, "Okay, this was this. These these are the pros who do things better than everyone else. I'm pretty sure I've been misled." And they're debating still, what should we do now? Okay, we're in our territory. Do we keep... That obviously wasn't all of them, but gosh, that was pathetic. Should we keep going? And they're sending out scouting parties, and they're seeing more small units of Mongols. And not only that, they're seeing small units of Mongols who are actually with some of the mongolian spoils and supplies now mongol the mongolians didn't really have supply lines but they had animals they would bring with them sheep and such and they're seeing the, the they're they're finding small mongolian parties with you know a whole herd of sheep and they decide to keep sending units that way after the mongols and they keep taking down the mongols easily there aren't even that many of them and taking down the sheep sometimes The Mongols even surrender before the battle. And the Russians are completely weirded out now. And the Russians now, this huge war party. Oh, nice. Now we have a whole herd of sheep. I mean, they're kind of slow, but it's nice to have sheep. All right. So whatever. Look, just keep sending them to the back and we'll send some to him. Oh, hey, look up ahead. There's more Mongolian stuff. Let's go get them. And they go after them. And they take their, their stuff. Oh, look, just in the distance, there's more Mongols. Let's go after them. And they're beating the crap out of the Mongols, these small Mongol units, and taking on their stuff. And, yeah, they're slowing down a little bit. And they're getting a little spread out now. Remember, it's an 80,000-man army. But they're getting great stuff. These Mongols are pathetic. I told you, we're Russians. (laughs) Don't tell me about some barbaric steppe people. And this goes on and on and on for nine days. Nine days of the Mongols running away, getting slapped around, surrendering, and nine days of the Russians taking all the Mongolian stuff. Looks like the Mongols have bitten off more than they can chew. Except the Russians get to this place, the Mongols have been prepping for days. The Mongols had picked out for days because it was the perfect battlefield for them to hide here, hide there. They have pots that are full of flaming liquid. They can light on fire and do light on fire so it fills the battlefield with smoke. So as the Russians come in and they see the Mongolians, all of a sudden the Mongolians are covered up with smoke and they can't see them. Okay, no problem. You're still still the Russians. You've been beating these people up and you outnumber them four to one. Except you've been baited into a trap for nine days. The Mongols... Had units they would assign to die to bait people in. And the units they assigned to do this did it without hesitation. You, you will go 10 sheep today. When they come at you, shoot some arrows at them. Don't make it too easy, but make sure you die in the end. You, you're gonna guard this, this shipment of gold. You're going to die. Shoot a couple arrows. I actually want you to surrender. Throw down your weapons and surrender. Knowing all along you're burdening them with more and more supplies, getting them way overconfident, all the while you're prepping where you know the real battle is going to take place. Now the Russians get there. They can't see. They don't know what's happening And the Mongols begin to surround them and shoot arrows into them, and the Russians don't know what's happening. They can't see. They're not communicating well. On top of the fact, they're now spread out over tens of miles. They say it might have gone 50 miles, the battle line spread out. And the front starts to panic because now there are smoky Mongols everywhere shooting you and your friends in the throat on the way by, everybody's dying and bleeding and now you turn and you have to run and now you thought it was bad before oh oh it's about to get worse one in three adults has pre-diabetes one in three that means it could be you your football buddy get up. Your fruit ball buddy. Or you, your best man. Your worst man. You, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre diabetes awareness partners. These are about to experience what so many had other experienced, only they're going to experience it a little worse. You see, before they had started pursuing these Mongols, the Mongols actually sent emissaries to the Russians to try to tell them look, no harm no foul, we're not here to fight you, we're just scouting around maybe we'll fight some Cumans along the way and the Russians could have said yes they could have said no but they took the Mongolian emissaries instead and they killed them all and If the Russians had just known what happened to the Charismian Empire whenever you kill Mongolian emissaries, they would have known you've done something you really should never, ever, 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 ever do. You harmed a Mongolian emissary. Now, the first line in the battle turns around and runs. And you and I need to take a moment and think about what that actually looks like on the ground I'll tell you in a sec Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly show. Here's what it looks like on the ground. Put yourself in these shoes as best you can, and I'll do it with you. You're a Russian knight. You're in armor. Weapon in your hands. Maybe you're on horseback. Maybe you're not. You're tired. It's been a long nine days of marching around in this stuff. But you're finally marching into battle. It gets smoky. It's getting difficult to see. You hear... Well, ugly things. It's easy to gloss over that stuff because what do you what experience do you have? You know, maybe some in real life, a few of you, but maybe it's the movies, but battle sounds bad, especially in an era where it's bows and arrows and swords and spears and axes. It's not just war cries. It's cry cries. It's cries of pain you ever heard a horse scream out in pain? I have. I'm not even an animal freak, and it's not a great sound. People calling for their mom when they're dying. And you're hearing these things up ahead of you. And then you see something coming, and you can't quite figure it out. And then you see it's all of your guys who were ahead of you sprinting right back at you in terror, They've thrown down their weapons. What are you going to do? Well, you personally may stand and fight, but the human mind in general is going to join them. And what happened to the Russians that day as they began to get surrounded by Mongols is they all started dropping their weapons and turning and sprinting backwards and running into the units behind them. Sometimes, in some cases, even fighting briefly with the unit behind them because there's so much confusion, you can't even see what's happening. They're being slaughtered. Now, one of the Russian princes pulls off something very, very brave. He manages manages at some point in time to gather up about 10,000 dudes And essentially circle the wagons. That's what they did. They circled the wagons. We're going to stand here. You know what? Screw these horseback Mongols. We'll circle the wagons up. Let's see what they do against our fort. You know what the Mongols did against the fort as all the other Russians ran away? They just rode around it. Again, you fight like a knight with your chivalry, and this is how we do things, and we march here, and here's a fort you must take. Mongols look at that, and they don't have that moral compass. They don't have that culture. They look at that, and they're baffled why anybody would stop and set something up in the middle of a battle. Well, enjoy your fort. I'll tell you what, Subadai, set some men there to make sure they can't escape and rides down the rest of the army like grass, slaughtering them by the tens of thousands. Then when he's done doing that, he turns back around, rides to their little makeshift fort, and just surrounds it. You set up a little makeshift fort in the middle of nowhere. How long do you have drinking water for? Took them three days. The Russians said, okay, we surrender. The Mongols, as they often did, said, just surrender. We'll go easy on you. And the second they surrendered, began slaughtering them to the last man. They took the Russian prince and other Russian princes. Do you remember the beginning of this story? They tied them together laid them down on the ground, and built a floor on top of them where Subadai and Jebe and the other commanders of this 20,000-man unit set up a table and chairs and dined on it and got drunk while they suffocated all the royalty underneath them for killing their emissaries. Why did they kill them in such ways? Because you don't kill a Mongolian emissary for one and for two. The Mongols did not believe in killing royal, and shedding the blood of royalty. That was funny, huh? They did have some principles. Why did an 80,000 man Russian unit get rolled up with very few losses on the Mongolian side? Because the Russian unit was disorganized with no discipline, and the Mongolian unit. They stuck together. That's really the 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 story of the Mongolian conquest. It's discipline. It's sticking together. There'd been a thousand Asian steppe tribes who were who had ridden horses since they were children and could shoot bows really well. What they lacked was discipline. Stick together, organized. 20,000 men sticking together, much greater than a disjointed 80,000-man army. Much greater. We are about to have some very, very, very rough days politically in the United States of America because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying and the Republicans trying to replace her on the Supreme Court. And let me lay out for you what's coming and what our challenge is going to be. I don't want you to be too down. I don't want you to be too up. You need to understand this. Brett Kavanaugh, I've told this story before, is not a Supreme Court justice unless Mitch McConnell personally threatens the post Senate career of one Republican senator. personally had to threaten his career. That's how close it was for Brett Kavanaugh. That's how weak some of the Republicans were for Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh was a warm-up round for replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You are about to see the nastiest political fight the United States of America has ever seen. And what have we seen right now? Trump has already said, we're going to replace her. Many in the Senate have already said, we're going to do our duty and replace her. But here's the problem. They don't need every Republican to break. They only need a few. And the Democrats... Have a list already of Republicans they're targeting. They've got their five, six, seven, eight weakest, most vulnerable Republicans they think they can sway, and they're about to beat those Republicans into the ground for the next month to get them to switch their vote. You don't, if you're the left, you don't have to switch Donald Trump's mind. You don't have to switch Ted Cruz's mind, Mitch McConnell's mind. You know you've already lost them. All you have to do is make sure Republicans lose unit cohesion. That's all you have to do. Because you, the leftists, you always have it. The greatest advantage leftists have is their various coalitions who who never look like they should get along. They work together for the same cause because they're all after the same thing. This is not a guarantee what's coming. If we don't stick together, we are going to be consumed. We are facing something bad. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code Jesse. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code Jesse. dot org.